0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from ACAST. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link
1: in the show description to support now.
2: I'm Lewis Butko, News Next at 1 o'clock. Your Niagara Falls by-election candidates live in studio on the Jim Fannin Show, which starts now on Newstalk 610 CKTV. This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now 905 688 2582, 1 877 610
3: 2582, or text us at 61010. I've made one mistake in my life. I should have burned a Berlin down. And now the drugs are slowly wearing off. And your smile looks more like a frown I give you freedom, you are alone Memento mori, infinito migil I tear your heart out, if you had one You took Manhattan, and now you take The showcase in quarantine
0: Under quarantine A sensational Sunday to you Genius of you to listen, I am Jim Fannin, your Sunday scrub, live, right here every Sunday, noon to two, on the One Voice for Niagara, 610 CKTB, 610 on your AM dial or online, 610 CKTB.com, take a cruise in our podcast, last week's show blew up, never had 200 views, and a week before. No, it's only 200, but come on. It's a scrub, man. Check out our website. Check out the podcast for a bunch of talent here and myself. Just cruise over to all shows. Sunday, we've got another great show for you today. Additional ways for you to interact with the Jim Fannin show. You can chirp us. Twitter, give us some feedback. Continue the conversation out there. At 610 CKTB. At Jim Fannin. F-A-N-N-O-N. JimFannin at gmail.com. So I get it quickly. You want to send in an email. You have your digits. I prefer the text. It's the fastest, most efficient way to get in. The digits you want to bang into that box of yours are six ten ten. Get on it. Less of you, more of me, and my guests makes for a better show today. Love to take your calls, but we're all going, we're going all candidates of the by-election in Niagara Falls today. We've only got, we're preempted today, so we're out at one thirty. So that means I've got a segment with each of the candidates that has declared in Niagara Falls after Kim Crater quits on his party and his constituents, leaving the electorate without representation at a critical time, and we're forced to throw a half-million-dollar election party to replace him. So in the studio with me today, after the break, we're going to start off with Paul Ruzicki. Now, you must know this name, Spent some time in a Russian jail, almost three months. We're going to find out what the hell was it like being in a Russian jail for three months. And find out what he was up to when he got arrested, detained, how long he's been doing it, and why. Paul Ruzicki at 12.15. 12.30, Bart Maves comes in with a special request. He needs to get out early. He'll be first in. In politics... You usually want to draw the last straw. You want to go last so you can sum up everyone and kind of take apart their positions. So Maves is first. He's coming in at 12.30. Bitter ran into car trouble. (laughs) And still gets here relatively on time. Just walks right into the studio like he owns the place. (laughs) So Bart's going to go off at 12.30. Then we're going to draw straws for the order after that. So the next three, we'll draw one, two, three to see who goes last. I think that's everyone wants to go last. I'm not going to spend too much time going to your phones or text messages. Actually, I'm not going to do that much talking today. My question to the four candidates that are here will be simply, what are your top three local issues? I don't care what your leader says, what your platform is necessarily. I only care how it affects Niagara Falls and how, if you're elected, you plan on implementing that piece of your platform. So we're going to keep it simple. If they've got enough time and they want to expand past three points, then that's great. But we've only got these guys for 10 or 11, 12 minutes tops in a segment. And I'm sure as the by-election goes on, we will have more time to interact with them, expand on it. Of course, 610 CKTB is organizing a live debate. One-on-one today with me and no phones. Step back from your telephone device. Put your feet up. And enjoy the conversation. Next, Paul Ruzicki of Greenpeace, one of the Arctic 30. Off this Arctic sunrise, a Greenpeace ship to three months in, what do you call it, a gulag? I can't imagine being in jail, period. Forget being in jail in Russia. Up next, Paul Ruzicki's with me. We'll have him for one segment, and then we're going all Niagara Falls politics. This is 610 CKTB.
2: This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now 905 688 2582, 1 877 610 2582, or
4: text us at 610 really, really, really 10. What...
0: jim fannin davy jones running the board all candidates coming up after this hold the phones people paul ruzicki thanks for coming into the booth paul paul my first question is man what was it like in a russian jail i guess uh these guys speak english to you when you're in there or was it bread and water just like my mother always said well thanks for having me jim
5: um well, it's pretty grim conditions in a Russian jail, as you could probably expect, but um, the whole reason we were there, obviously, was because of our demonstration, our nonviolent direct action, and the protest in the Arctic against the uh, exploration and exploitation of oil
0: up there. And how do you find the effectiveness of what you do with Greenpeace?
5: Well, I've been doing this, this is my 26th year now, and I believe that we do have an impact uh, around the world, waking people up, Obviously, um, we can't stop things like Arctic oil exploration or nuclear weapons testing, but we do get in the face, I guess you'd say in the face of people via the international media, and once uh, we get the media out, then it's up to the people to uh, pressure their governments
0: to uh, have the right things done. How long have you been doing this, Paul? Uh, 26 years now. Well, how, how did you get into boarding a Greenpeace? You've been on a ship for 26 years? Yes. Wow. Uh, sailing with
5: uh, Greenpeace for 26 years. I started uh, sailing on the Great Lakes here with one of the local companies, and I did some environmental studies prior to that. In sailing the Great Lakes and the east coast of Canada and the U.S., I came across a lot of uh, polluted harbors and polluted waters, and I had uh, actually seen a demonstration of Greenpeace in 1983 in Vancouver when I was out there. And I kind of got to, uh, got to thinking Greenpeace has ships. Uh, I'm a sailor, and they're in the environmental movement, so I started corresponding with them. And in 1988, I signed up as a volunteer for a six-month tour of the Great Lakes and the Mississippi River. How old? I was 23 at the
0: time. Good. Now, at any time, I, I guess you've you got to have big balls to get on a Greenpeace ship, ship, period, but at any time, were you in fear for your safety or your life?
5: I don't think so. I mean, uh, I know that the special forces that are dealing with us uh, from different countries, in this case, uh, the Russians, that they're professionals. They know we're Greenpeace. They know we're nonviolent. We don't carry weapons. When they came off uh, the helicopter and dropped down the ropes to take control of our ship, they did it very fast and very effectively. We didn't uh, resist them whatsoever. We saw they had automatic weapons drawn, pistols in hand. Wow. Instill, you're you're just like, oh, I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I knew that they were going to take control of the ship. I didn't think that we would go to jail for two months though, for pirating, uh, which is the strangest yeah.
0: thing. I mean, yeah. you're you're hardly pirates. You're unarmed. You're not you're not boarding other people's ship and stealing their gold type no, of thing. We're
5: doing everything we do. It's it's nothing is for personal gain. And for one thing, you cannot commit an act of piracy against a stationary object, which the uh, the Russian oil rig is considered a stationary
0: ice-resistant platform. Right. Now, I heard, uh, I know you haven't done too much media, so I really appreciate you coming in. I've, we'll have you in again, I promise, when we've got some more time, but I appreciate you uh, giving access to us. I know everyone's chasing you. You haven't done a lot of media since you've been home. Uh, I did hear you're just waiting for the next ship to jump on. Are you taking a break, or is, are you done? Taking, or?
5: I'll take a break for a while. Um, the Russian authorities still have the Greenpeace ship Arctic Sunrise in their control in Murmansk. They haven't released it yet, so they've, um, they've gone against the International Tribunal of the Law of the Sea. Uh, the order was to release the ship and the crew immediately. That was back in November, I believe. Um, so... Yeah, the Russians still have our ship. The case is still ongoing against our ship. The uh, thirty Arctic, uh, the Arctic thirty were all released on um, grounds of amnesty.
0: Now, how's your family feel about you jumping on a ship? And well, I think they're used to the it. I've,
5: like I said, I've been doing this for twenty six years. Um, they know I get into some difficult situations. Uh, i 've never been arrested and detained uh, for two months before though so two months the family was. media machine kicked in they really yep. uh, they got the support going locally i 'm still thanking people in Port Coburn when I see them and yeah i 'm thankful for them
0: for helping me. And tell me about the way our government responded to it and your thoughts on that
5: well, the government in canada i i wasn 't here obviously i don 't know what was going on in Canada, but uh, I was told that things are happening behind the scenes it 's all political the um, the embassy staff from Moscow came to every court hearing I had. They were very supportive, um, genuinely concerned with our well-being, myself and my fellow Canadian from Quebec. So I think, yeah, I thank them as well. They were there for uh, everything I needed. They provided uh, my family with the means to get money into the court, into the the jail system, so I could purchase things if I needed them.
0: Really? Yeah.
5: So you're happy with the way your federal government responded? I'm happy with the way the embassy and the counselor staff responded. I have no idea what was going on in Canada behind the scenes. I heard there
0: was a lot of frustration from people, you know, your family mostly saying, hey, like Canada's silent on this. We, you know, help us get Paul back. You know, use your diplomatic channels. I guess that got done then.
5: Well, the embassy staff was very helpful. They helped. They were, you know, writing letters to the Russian authorities, and they also um, helped me get my exit visa in order. They wrote a letter on my behalf to help me uh, assist getting the exit visa in order so I could leave Russia.
0: Now talk to me about the conditions inside this Russian jail. I mean, are you treated special or are you just like every other prisoner? And is it like a a maximum security prison? Are you in with some really bad people in there? Uh, It was uh,
5: technically a detention center, so it wasn't a a prison. All right, It's a pre-trial detention center. I don't think we were treated special. I believe that the authorities knew we were very high-profile Okay, Uh, I did share uh, myself for almost two months with a Russian. uh, I'll say Russian gentleman, a criminal. I don't know exactly (laughs) what he did. He didn't speak English. I didn't speak Russian, but we had a couple dictionaries, and we managed to communicate a bit.
0: How long were you cohabitating with him? I
5: think we were in the same cell for about a month and a half.
0: Wow. Yeah. So did you manage to strike up some sort? I guess you have to have some sort of relationship if you're living in that close a quarters. It's just a small Um, cell, I guess.
5: Well, the food was um, not very. Not very pleasant, I'll say. But Greenpeace was supplying us with care packages every week, so they could get some into yeah. the
0: detention center.
5: Yeah, so we were all sharing with our cellmates. Uh, there there's too actually too much food to to eat that I uh, for myself. So I was just sharing with uh, the cellmate. I think that's an un unwritten rule in the prisons that you share everything.
0: I guess you don't know that from previous experience. It's the first time in jail for you?
5: Yeah, I've been detained a
0: few times, but uh, okay. never for more than a couple days or three days maximum, I think now, it was. Tell me a little bit, Paul, I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about what you consider your effectiveness of this type of demonstration. For me, and you said as soon as you came in, I'm not political. Yeah. Back in the old days when I was a candidate, I used the political system running as a candidate to raise awareness to okay. teach people the platform and what not you're, you're a whole different ball game. Although your your entity Greenpeace is very political, it, does, it doesn't carry a political profile. It's not running an election. So no, we how, don't have a political party. Well, how uh, do you consider the effectiveness of your type of demonstration? The last one, I think, uh, very it was more effective than
5: we could have ever hoped for or imagined. Uh, once, if we would have just hung a banner, took a photograph, and there was no response from the authorities. I don't think the message would have got out so well, but uh, once we were arrested and detained, the Greenpeace media machine, as I call it, uh, Mm -hmm. really swung into gear, and the message got out, I believe, to every continent on the planet, and the message is still going out. There's still, uh, I believe, uh, the campaign to save the Arctic. We have over 5 million signatures now.
0: Wow. Paul Ruzicki is my guest, one of the Arctic 30, straight off Arctic Sunrise, and then to a Russian jail for two months. Uh, Paul, thanks again for your time. Tell me a little bit about the actual demonstration that you're participating in. Has there been any changes as far as drilling, where they're drilling? I, I understand this is a brand new platform, yes? Yeah, the platform, I believe, is 10 years in the making. And the day we got
5: amnesty is the day the Russian authorities announced that the uh, the rig that we were protesting against is actually pumping oil out of the Arctic now. So, I mean, an Arctic, any Arctic or drilling, for that matter, uh, where you have an oil well or an oil platform, that equals a spill eventually, which will affect all the local communities, uh, their traditional ways of life. There's no technology to clean up an oil spill in the waters of the Arctic, on the ice or below the ice. So I believe, and Greenpeace, I think, will back me up on this, that we must make the transition to renewable energies. There's proven viable technology. Clean energy is possible. Other countries are leading the way. I wish Canada would do more instead of pursuing this tar sands, which is just the largest scar on the planet right now. It, it's, I mean, the younger people must realize that it's their future, and do they want to deal with the mess of an oil economy? What we're calling for in the Arctic is similar to what we've achieved in the Antarctic. It's a world base or world park where there's right. no... uh There's only scientific research, there's no mineral exploration or exploitation, Uh, there's no military activity, no industrial fishing, so we're calling for
0: that in the waters of the international waters of the Arctic. Well, Paul, thank you very much for your time. I'm really happy to have you in, and like I said, when we're not so pressed for time, I hope to have you back in when we can explore this a little bit further, but thank you for your courage and your uh, time and your access. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me, Jim. Paul Ruzicki is my guest two months in a Russian jail for demonstrating demonstrating from a ship right around a platform, a Russian platform that's ex- uh, extracting oil from the Arctic waters. The Arctic 30, as he's been known to be a part of. Off the Ar- Arctic sunrise up next. Bart Maves is out first. He's going to tell you uh, his Three priorities for Niagara Falls in the by-election. This is six ten CKTB.
2: is the jim fannin show on niagara's news talk 610 call now 905-688-2582 1-877-610-2582 or text us at six ten ten. 10
0: welcome back i am jim fannin Although I'm normally tempted to let that bumper run, we've got a lot of business to get to today. Bart Maves is next up with me. He's in the booth. Bart, thanks for taking the time. I know you're really busy.
3: Yeah, it's my pleasure to be here, Jim.
0: Tell us a little bit about your three priorities for Niagara Falls.
3: Well, um, I'll you know i I'll, I'll repeat it uh, over and over again. I've been nominated since okay. January, and I've said it then, and I continue to say it today. My three priorities are quite simply jobs, jobs, and jobs. Okay. Uh Niagara's uh, got one of the highest unemployment rates in all of Ontario right now. Uh when you go door to door, it's what everyone is what everyone is sure. down everyone's mind.
0: It's all about the economy, stupid. That's so, what they yeah, <laughs> will so, say. uh
3: you know, th- when I was uh, in office before, uh, we went from um the Bob Rae NDP era of high taxes, high uh deficits and uh, the plants closing all over Ontario to uh one of the, uh, the highest growth economic growth uh, jurisdictions in all of North America for 4 years and I think we uh know how to turn an economy around and start creating jobs, and that's my number one, number two, and number three priority.
0: I'm glad you said that, turn the economy around, because government traditionally, especially provincially and federally, really don't create jobs. I mean, we can obviously bring in policies that give us a good environment for the economy to exist in or for jobs to flourish in, but what's your plan for actually bringing more jobs to the Falls?
3: So, you're right, the, the, uh, the number one thing for a, a government to do is create the proper business, uh, conditions and be welcoming to business, so uh, businesses that are here now will stay and reinvest, um, and and they'll create jobs in that manner. And businesses from outside of Ontario will say, "Hey, that's where I want to be." So there's a lot of things uh, that you need to do. Uh, we've lost 300 manufacturing jobs uh, in the last ten, 300 thousand manufacturing jobs uh, across Ontario in the last ten years, and we need to turn that around and bring many, bring a lot back. So. You know, this, it's important things. I talk to businesses all the time. They're tired of uh, opening up their mail, and they and they get a new uh, government regulation that they've got to follow that costs them time and money. Um, their WSIB bills are out of control. Um, their you know their taxes uh, are high, and hydro rates are now the highest in North America for uh, our industrial uh, hydro rates. So. That just keeps pushing people out of business, and all of those things have to be reversed in order to be able to track and keep existing businesses.
0: What do you consider your plan for hydro? I mean, the, the, here's another huge thing that impacts us uh, locally, although it's a, a province-wide uh, issue. I mean, this is something that's really hurting our manufacturing sector is the power? Uh, the, is the price of power yeah, and we the def- price of hydro, electricity. Look at all,
3: all of the companies that used to come to Niagara that have, have gone now came because of cheap power, and... and uh, over the years, like m- most recently, we've lost John Deere. We've lost, uh, you know, we just lost Thorold Paper, just yep. announced the other day they're going to lay off. And I mean, it goes on and on. And hydro rates are, are critical. Uh, we lost a lot of those jobs back in the 90 to 95. We won some back, and now we've lost a lot in the last 10 years. So we've got to improve the business climate, lower their costs, uh, and get them into Ontario.
0: What's your plan for the? For cheaper hydro, then? I mean, well, the way I see it, it's just going to keep going through the roof. Everything's going up? you got to get...
3: Yeah, you've got uh, to... The, the Auditor General, did, once again, did everybody a favor by revealing a huge amount of uh, waste uh, and inefficiency in in, uh, in our hydro and OPG and uh, hydro one, and, and we need to... Uh, we need to roll back a lot of those costs. They're, they're providing less power about salaries? on the grid. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we, they provide uh, less power on the grid, but they've got more people. I think they have over 11,000 people now. The salary's uh, going to be uh, a small percentage 000.
0: of their actual operating costs. Though. Big
3: costs. When you have 11,000 people making over oh, yeah. $100,000, that's big mm-hmm. cost. And they're supplying less power, uh, in, into our grid. So that's one way. And then these, uh, solar and wind, uh, fit contracts are a disaster um are we
0: always subsidizing something though we subsidize oil and gas uh, hugely to the billion dollar mark in this country so uh i find it interesting that many people are really down on the subsidies to solar and wind when we've been subsidizing coal and oil forever
3: Well, when you look at uh even in europe where they've gone to heavy wind and, he- and heavy solar uh they've they've found at the end of it that for every one job that might have been created in that industry four were lost in other industries because it The the hydro rates just become out of control, and that's what's happened here. So we're going to stop that and roll back what we can.
0: When you talk about manufacturing, too, I mean, the old manufacturing jobs certainly aren't coming back. Is there a focus of uh, your party or on your platform, your personal platform for Niagara Falls that will foster green jobs, jobs of the future?
3: Look, uh, that's all not altogether true. Uh, One of my clients in in my businesses is Fleet Canada. It's an aerospace company. And I started there uh, five years ago. They had 40 employees, and um, now we're up to 140, and we're hiring 10 more to to move it up to 150. So, if you know uh, the needs of the business, and and you, uh, we've grown the market. So they've got, we've got Boeing in there now. Uh, if you know the needs of a company and the needs of a business, you can you can uh, make the right moves and make the company grow. And that's what we've done at Fleet. And I'd like to take that expertise uh, and experience and. And lend that as an MPP to other manufacturing facilities across Niagara, and help them. Yeah. Reese, go ahead. I was just going to say though, there, you know that that is a huge part of what we need to do province wide and here in Niagara region with with uh, manufacturing jobs. I'm not giving up hope on them. I believe that, that we can win manufacturing back and keep what we still oh, have. Even GM's hired some new guys. Yeah,
0: you know, there's a you know, an older uh, company that's been around a long time. It's certainly changed with the times, but still, you know, the traditional manufacturing and they're hiring people, well, yeah. not hugely, so, but
3: and and you know, the my fleet example, so that you have the odd uh, the odd example here or there, but for the most part you find them leaving. Uh, mm-hmm. Even the food services industry, Bix Pickles and the Heinz plants and so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. we need to clean that up. Um, but here locally, I, you know, one the top of my mind all the time is, for instance, in the racetrack in Fort Erie. Uh, Tim Hudak and I were MPPs before we brought uh, two casinos to Niagara Falls. We that had a little bit of an impact on uh, gaming and horse racing industry in Fort Erie. So we put slots in the racetrack, and that made the racetrack boom for years. Um, the Liberal government, supported by the NDP in the 2012 budget uh, that they passed, uh, killed slots at the racetrack program, and since then. Uh, our, our racing industry is dying now uh, and Fort Erie has been killed and so we are we are firmly in favor of putting slots back at the racetrack I'd like to see gaming enhanced even a little bit more and uh, whoever ends up running the slots at the gaming at the racetrack a condition of license would be to make sure that racing uh, is maintained at Fort Erie and that's a big that'll be a big boost uh, for that town which has been suffering for a lot of reasons uh, but that's such a uh, important piece of their history and uh it keeps people in restaurants and keeps them in local shops and mm-hmm. everything. So that's a big thing.
0: You think it's an advantage to to you as a candidate? I guess you're gonna say yes to this, but you've been there before. You're the only candidate that's actually been elected as an MPP. Do you think that holds an advantage for you? Yeah, like I mean it didn't last time twice against Kim Crater, but well, this time around every election's different so
3: yeah, every every election's different. They have the different issues and, and uh you know different personalities um but it the experience of having been there knowing my way around the ministry i still go back up to uh, queens park as a regional counselor uh and i can meet with um current liberal cabinet ministers that i know from when i was there before wow. uh i have you know friends in the federal government jim Flaherty and john oh, baird tony command <laughs> it's well, not gonna help you that's <laughs> just it, it, the if you know these people you have experience of these people you can uh, you know, you can call on those relationships to help your community. The other couple of things I want to mention, real quick, okay. is and, and we're also opposed to the twenty nine new casinos that the gaming modernization strategy that the Liberals and EP passed in the twenty twelve budget. Taxing sickness. Totally opposed to uh, to building new casinos like that all across Ontario. It'll devastate Niagara uh, mm. casinos. Um, and for a long time, I've been in favor of opening more outlets for the sale of Niagara wine. To me, it's totally crazy that we have a fully integrated uh, industry. They plant the grapes, they grow the grapes, they harvest the grapes, they make the wine, they bottle it, they box it, and then they're not allowed to sell it. Uh, the only place they're allowed to sell it is out of their storefront or uh, you know, at an LCBO. And the LCBO can't take all of the wines uh, that, are, that are made in Ontario and put them on their shelf. So we need more outlets for Niagara wine made by Niagara grapes, uh, and that'll help Niagara-on-the-Lake boom, too.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Clark. Bart Maves. Bart Maves, I just want to say, note-free. He hasn't got a pen, a paper, a pad, nothing in front of him. He's just, hey, that's a politician for you. Thank you, Bart. And I'm going to go to the kitchen and see who's next because I don't really know. Davy Jones running the board. We need to get out for a quick break and back with more All Candidates. what you want you, would you.
2: This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at
0: 61010. Welcome back. I am Jim Fannin. Pretty excited getting all the candidates in here. First get, that's good. Paul Ruzicki was in as well. We had lots of calls for Mays. I had to turn them down because we're not going to take calls for one candidate and not the other. Up next, Clark Bitter, you're the Green Party's... Well, you're going to be nominated this afternoon, but you're running unopposed... You got a, oh, a right. special letter from the leader, Mike Schreiner, saying, this is our guys running unopposed, so I let you come in. So thanks for doing that. 2.30, you're having your nomination meeting where?
1: At the In the LaMarche Room at the Victoria Street Avenue uh, Public Library in Niagara Falls. Nice. Tell us about your three priorities for Niagara Falls. Uh, three priorities for Niagara Falls are, uh, the first one is jobs. Um, obviously, it's on everybody's mind.
0: Uh, I got a feeling that's going to be the first thing in all the candidates' mouth today, jobs.
1: More than likely, jobs are health care, I would assume. Yep. Um, so jobs, health care, and raising the profile of arts and culture, it, it kind of doubles in with jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're a gaming town now. We're, we're a tourist town, and we really need to, I think, sort of change the way we look at things as far as arts and culture goes. Uh, Vegas is the number one live capital of for live entertainment in the United States, and I think we could really put some people into jobs by changing our strategy as a as a city and becoming Canada's live entertainment capital.
0: Talk to me about your economic plank of your platform. Then, how does the Green Party, you know, well, uh, do things differently than maybe the rest of them?
1: The Green Party supports um, small business and entrepreneurship. Um, we support reductions in taxes to small business first off through the health um, health tax. The health care exemption tax. Uh the Green Party had asked the Liberal government to raise the exemption to eight hundred million or eight hundred thousand dollars and they've raised it to four hundred and fifty thousand dollars after that was delayed by in committee by the Tories and by the NDP for months and months and months and months. Um we've asked for it to be the exemption to be raised raised to eight hundred thousand dollars and we've asked for protection of the food sector. Um you know, the food sector is the largest employer in Ontario. We we're talking about farms and food processing. and That uh, may surprise a lot of people. It it would. Uh, it employs 740,000 people across the province and is the largest employer in, in our province. And we're seeing food processing plants disappear from across the region and across the province. Uh, lots of people being thrown out of work by this. And we need to protect our farms first in order for our processors to have food to process. And we need to protect our processors in order for our farms to have a market for their product to get to. This will encourage people to eat healthier and and have jobs. Local, sustainable food and, and water is very important.
0: How do you, and I just speaking with Bart Maves earlier... You know, it's my assertion that provincial and federal governments aren't really that responsible for creating new jobs. I mean, that's not their function. So how do you how do you address well, that?
1: We've asked um, and Mike Schreiner just wrote a letter to the premier asking that um, in, in the same way that the province helped out the auto industry, we want them to help out the food industry. And the first way, again, is farming and food processors. And, you know, we're, they're not looking for handouts. But what these people would like is access to affordable Financing, so either interest-free loans or very low-interest loans, so that they can expand and and perhaps save food processing plants, which would then—it's a trickle down. There's a, there is a lot of jobs in that sector that rely on each other, and when you lose one, you're going to lose two or three more down the road. Nice, Clark
0: Bitter is your Green Party candidate running in the Niagara Falls riding for the upcoming by-election. Clark, just expand on your number two point for us.
1: Well, their number two point is um, again. Jobs through arts and culture. Um, Niagara has a wealth of talent in it, and um, we tend to sort of ignore that. And and these... Young people have had to put down their welding torches or um, factory tools that they thought they were going to do, and they picked up guitars and paintbrushes. I think that's a great
0: and analogy, like and that. I don't really see that, but it opens. Oh, well, if you were
1: in Niagara Falls, yeah. and uh, we just put out a, a call for artists for a concert that we're going to have on January 31st, and when we started tagging artists that we like, we got up to 50 individuals or artists in a matter of minutes.
0: Yeah, uh, Saint Catharines did the same thing for their concert series. Saint Catharines is here. the same
1: thing, and yep. unfortunately, in in Niagara, we tend to do them down by the shoreline as well. We don't bring those events into the city, and we don't have enough oh. venues. So, we'd like to look at um, possibly financing venues and definitely going after more diverse uh, festivals in the city of Niagara Falls or in the city of Fort Erie, bringing the visitors. Out from Niagara to Niagara-on-the-Lake to Fort Erie, where those festivals will help support local businesses up and down the street just by simply putting people there and bring, bringing people back a second time. For example, if you were to bring a Earth Day festival to Niagara Falls and have it there every single year, mm-hmm. people will mark it on their calendars, and they'll come back year after year. Same with perhaps a Caravana or some other type of cultural festival. Right. And then again, venues for local artists, um, maybe tax breaks for for businesses that use local artists, some kind of incentive fund to get them to bring these artists into the bigger hotels, into the bigger places, and have them play.
0: And well, what do you see your chances in this? You know, you're, you know I consider not a fringe candidate anymore, but uh, you know, certainly not a, one of the big three that the media is constantly referring to. I hate when well, they do
1: that, but yeah, that's always a bit of a struggle being the, the fourth guy in. Um, we want to raise the awareness of the Green Party's change and And evolution as a party, um, it started out with a grassroots movement where it 'll always be a grassroots democratic style party, but we would we 've evolved where we 've taken a greater look at the economy um, it 's attracted people more like myself and some some other conservative minded people that and, and entrepreneurs and the future really is green entrepreneurship, clean tech jobs, and um, another proposal is to bring these uh, Eco industrial parks into the Niagara region. We have tons of brown fields, and these parks are self-contained, self-powered, and through waste and through solar and wind. I mean, now, this, is, this is this. Yeah.
0: Let me interrupt a little bit. This is, a, this is Well, I think it's a great idea. I don't know how feasible it is, but last time you were in, we had Mike Schreiner in a couple of weeks ago. You came in to complement the conversation. Talk to me about this eco park.
1: Well, it's being done in several places in Europe and um, and in China. And actually right here in Canada, this is um, a business community. It is an, an industrial park. So like okay. you would have a traditional industrial park, but each industry within that park would sort of supply itself off of each other's waste. So hmm. water treatment plants on site, energy produce- production site um, is on site, solar on site. Solar is a, is a, this technology is, is improving every day. In fact, it's probably improved since I got here today somewhere in the world. And, um, it's viable in northern communities now. Minnesota has proven it with um, several examples, and uh, if you go to my Facebook page, you'll find it there. Um, and it's viable here. We're a little south of them. We get enough sun, and these plants can run basically at a at a low or no energy cost, and you have living roofs on them, um, recycling plants on site all waste is dealt with on-site and they're green they're very good for attracting emerging markets in that or emerging companies in that it's it's a great advertising tool to say not only is our product green but the way we make it is as well And there's a park just north of jasper and delta british columbia has several of them they keep filling up with people with companies quickly these were depressed areas along the fraser river for example that had lost industry um, New York state is attracting similar type of investment and that's our competition right now. New York state is the competition for Ontario and, and you know, they've given 10 year tax breaks, zero tax. If you, Bring a company there that employs people.
0: Now, my first reaction to an industrial eco park was, "How are you going to be able to afford what these guys are making? Because it should be th- the prices will be through the roof of what they're making." You you assert that no, the ac- exact opposite is true. That what there be what they have a- access to for natural resources, power, and whatnot is actually cheaper.
1: Well, it is if you're reusing your waste to gain energy for your plant, you're not going to the grid to get it. So there's a bill you don't have. Um, there's a lot of money in garbage. There's other, and garbage Definitely. is a, is the wrong word for it. We used to call it um secondary resource. Right. It, it's something that you can mine. You can go into what you normally throw away and you can utilize it for other uses. You can turn different types of of waste into fuel that can be used to to generate electricity or to generate the the heat required for a furnace um and if you stay away from non-biodegradable products some of your waste can then be biodegraded and used again recapture methane boil it spin for spin turbines for electricity and then help power your plant from that it requires several types of these but they work in conjunction to power your plant completely
0: now, the old green stereotype, you certainly don't represent that as far as coming in, in a nice suit and all that kind of stuff. What's your background, quickly, before we get out?
1: Uh, my background is I am a certified Red Seal chef. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I, I heard you talking you about that. being a chef, but okay. 30 years as a chef, so wow. I really know a lot of the industry in Niagara, and an entrepreneur. I've started uh, a couple of companies, including... Uh, pnc Compo um and batter up fish and chips on main street in a, in a revitalization area and um, you know the struggles around uh, life sometimes make things stop mm-hmm. uh, and batter up closed at the end of november um but we keep trying and and, and trying to create jobs firsthand i guess in, yep. in niagara falls and um I've been involved in the environment for a lot of time. We helped establish a steering committee for the Humber River in Toronto that brought back shoreline and brought back natural rehabilitation of uh, fish stocks. And um, in I, 2010, I won the Environment Award for uh, the City of Niagara Falls and the Top 40 Under 40. And... Uh, I moved here 10 years ago for my son, and now he's gone off to college, and we're still here in the falls.
0: Nice. Clark Bitter is your Green Party candidate for the riding of Niagara Falls for the by-election to replace Kim Crater. Up next, your Liberal candidate, Joyce Morocco. This is 610
4: CKTB.
2: This is the Jim Fannon Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at six ten ten. 10
3: I've been doing it right, so when I close my
4: eyes, I can sleep at night. And I know I've been sleeping well, but there's a part of me that's
3: sleeping still. And I guess I've been holding in, but I've grown over with confidence. And I don't think you're saying my name right, so let me just explain myself. Welcome I
0: back. I am Jim Fannin. Joyce Morocco is my next guest and reminds me that, yes, I am the first to get all candidates on the air or in one place. So thank you, Joyce, for coming in. I really appreciate it. I know you're busy.
6: Thank you, Jim. I greatly appreciate being here. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Maybe we can get you in again when we've got a little bit more time and we can get some interaction between the four of you folks and maybe more if that turns up. Tell me about your local priorities for Niagara Falls riding.
6: Oh, Jim, it's jobs, health care, and pension. Okay. Yeah, and I think that uh, once you uh, focus on one, it all kinds of comes together. Uh, we need to have more jobs in Niagara, and uh, we're working on that. And actually, uh, Friday when the premier was in Niagara, we went to Fort Erie, and we met with the racetrack, and we met with all the different companies there, Rich's Products, Airbus, uh and some of the key players around the table in Fort Erie, because we wanted to know what was important for them. And the thing is, we don't want to just create jobs. We want to make sure that we're keeping the jobs that we have. And that's very important. And as a city councillor, I've been, you know, kind of in that game since I've been elected back in three oh three. It was important for us to keep the, the jobs and the companies in our city and try to make sure that they weren't going to go. And I know there's issues. And sometimes it's it's not always in our control, but we want to try and make sure that we're sitting there. And we're trying to tell them that, you know, we're here for you. What is it that uh, you need from us to help you stay here and retain the good, well-paying jobs that we need?
0: Now, as a municipal councillor, I think you have a little bit more control over fostering a good environment for jobs to flourish in. What do you see your role as an MPP, specifically in the Niagara Falls riding? of helping foster that same... Again, we don't create jobs as a provincial government, so yeah. what's your what's your take on how we foster an environment that helps jobs stay and flourish?
6: Well, first of all, you know, we, um, in our conversations with some of the uh, factories, they told us that the problem was that they had a problem with skilled laborers in this area and getting them. So, you know, one thing that I know that we've been lobbying for a long time from the government is for a GO train. So, we need I'm to get a go train. That. I have to tell you the go train will boost uh you know the the companies that are looking for skilled laborers will be able to secure those people and getting them the transportation to get down here will increase the the tourism sector by bringing more people down and experience all the great things that we have in the Niagara region and it, you know transportation is key, so I mean, we can get them down here, but we're also working so, as a city council, we've been working too uh, also on our Inner inner infrastructure as well as the transportation uh, throughout our regions and connecting our cities. So that's been important. And I'm glad to say that uh, our Liberal government has invested, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, millions of dollars uh, towards infrastructure and transportation. And I want to make sure that we keep working with the government and make sure that happens. So you know what I keep saying? We've got the tracks. Give us the train.
0: No, I'm glad you said uh, Go Transit. And speaking with a friend of mine, David Alexander, he's going to be a guest with me in a few ah. weeks. Uh, brilliant mind. Got a lot of time for a guy like David Alexander. I think he was uh, Canada's greenest municipal uh, counselor at one time. Just such a, a, a wealth of knowledge. Had lunch with him a few weeks ago. He said the priorities, Go Train, yeah. regional transit, and affordable Uh, child care because you've got single mothers and Mm -hmm. fathers that you know if number one our real estate values are going to stay stagnant if we don't have the movement from easy transportation in and out of toronto do we have enough infrastructure now or do we need a whole new rail link to come down i mean so many governments have said i'm going to get go i'm going to get go and it hasn't happened so do we need to spend a half a billion dollars on another track to get go down here
6: no. And I'm going to say no, because the track is there.
0: And yeah, but we're moving freight along it, too. And I know. A-
6: I know. And we just have to work it. It's all about timing. I think, you know, for today's technology and what we have, it should be pretty simple. And what I want to do is be able to work at the table with the premier and make you know just bring it together and once we do i think it's just going to be a huge boom i've seen you know we've seen that in the areas such as vaughn once they got the go train it was just crazy with the growth and development
0: Very, same thing yeah
6: exactly you know and uh, i've asked that question so many times for years now saying like why can't we just get the go train mm-hmm. and you know next for me is is healthcare and i have to say that i was just thrilled and, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, the healthcare you know, that just kind of came up. It didn't come up. Are you kidding me? We've been lobbying hard for a new hospital. I've been the chair of the Hospital Foundation, helped raise $9.2 million back uh, in, oh, my God, in the 2000, was it 2007? I, don't know, I was there for like nine years raising money. It was a struggle. But we knew that we needed to have a new ER. We needed to have a place where we could make sure that our people were going to be taken care of. And that whole spectrum of it. We, we got the ER. We were very grateful that we raised the money and that the government supported that for us. But also, we found out that the rest of the uh, the hospital was run down. It couldn't even keep up to the technology that we had built in the new ER. So then we started saying, you know what? We need a new hospital. This isn't going to work. And the way that our, um, our our residents were growing our um the, the more, I'm sorry, more people were coming in and, uh, you know, we were actually having a very diverse group of seniors and more young people coming in. We just had to make sure that we have the right proper health care. So we've been at the table with them for a long time. Deb Matthews, I think that at one point she was going to charge me for stalking because I also wanted that community health center, which I have to say, huge advocate for the health, community health center. And we've got that. And just in the last election, they, um, you know, committed to giving us a permanent site on Green Street. What do you say
0: to the communities that are going to be losing their ERs and whatnot? I mean, the centralization of services. For me, yeah. uh, I've always been a decentralization guy. I don't want the services to be centralized in one spot because I want mm. the people closest to the problem to have the immediate access. And ERs is going to be a yeah. huge thing. So how do you how do you counter that argument?
6: You know, Jim, I, I'm a fighter too to keep what I've got here, and I think we get used to what we've got. But at the end of the day, as a mom and now as a grandmother. I want to make sure that where I'm taking my children and even my mother, my senior mom, my mother-in-law, that I'm taking them to the uh, the facility that's going to give them the best care, the state-of-the-art care. And if I have to go, like, let's face it, we're going to Hamilton. I go to Hamilton for treatment. I know a lot of my friends go to Hamilton. They're in Toronto for specialization in treatment. Why can't we have it here? And that's what I'm fighting for. We deserve it right here in Niagara. And we have the support from Ford Erie and Port Coburn. I know the mayors, they've already come and, uh, you know, given us money uh, to put towards the new Niagara South. And we're also going to have two urgent um, health care centers as well. So I think that, that that's the best. You know, you've got to. We can't keep, and even Kim Crater would say this to me, you know, we just can't afford, Joyce, to keep all these hospitals. And also as the um, the chair of the Hospital Foundation, the request, Jim, that would come from the doctors and the different departments were overwhelming. We'd actually just be paying off for, um, you know, an MRI, or, um, you know, the MRI, and the CAT scan machines. And, goodness sakes, the next thing you know, they were request a new one because the technology, we couldn't keep up. And every hospital wanted to, do, to have an MRI or CAT scan machine. So you just can't keep giving all the hospitals, the state-of-the-art uh, equipment. You, you have to centralize, and you have to actually just build one really, really good state-of-the-art to pro- to you know, provide the best care for your people.
0: Joyce Morocco is my guest. Thank you very much, Joyce. Up next, we have the guy that drew the number one card earlier. He got to choose his position. Bart Mays had to get out early, so he wanted to go first. But Gates wanted to go last. Wayne Gates of the NDP is up next, and then we're out to the Ice Dogs. This is 610 CKTB.
2: This is the Jim Fannin Show on Niagara's News Talk 610. Call now, 905-688-2582, 1-877-610-2582, or text us at 61010.
0: back. I am Jim Fannin. One segment left. Then we go to the Ice Dogs. Gates pulled the number one card. And pick to go last. Mays wanted to go first, and that's fine. He had a funeral to get to. So Wayne Gates is your NDP candidate. Wayne, thanks for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
4: Thanks for having me. Uh, I just want to start before we get into our priorities. Uh, yesterday was our nomination meeting. I just want to thank everybody. We had a packed house. Uh, unanimously supporting me as the NDP candidate. It's my first opportunity. I'm going to get a lot of opportunities to talk on the radio, but I want to say thanks, thanks, thanks for giving me the opportunity to do this. Absolutely. and I appreciate your time coming in. Talk to us about your three local
0: priorities for Niagara Falls
4: well you know I've, I, I've had the opportunity when you go last you get the opportunity to uh to listen and, and without a doubt the number one issue is jobs 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 uh, you cannot have a publicly funded health care system you cannot have a publicly funded education system if people aren't at work. And we've got some real issues in Niagara. As hard as it is to say we have the highest unemployment uh, in the province, we have to fix that. And uh, without fixing that, we're going to have a lot of problems. We take a look at our young people today. Our young people need hope. Uh, my children, my grandchildren, they need to have an opportunity right here in Niagara. And what's transpiring is they're leaving our community. Young people are leaving. They're raising their families somewhere else. The dinner that we normally have on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon which I do quite regularly on Sunday afternoon. They're not there anymore, so we have to find a way to create jobs. And I think there's no better way to start in this particular riding than to commit to opening up the racetrack in Fort Erie. There's a thousand jobs there, Jim. A thousand jobs that we can do tomorrow. Uh, I don't care if it's a by-election. Go to that community, protect that community, and say, you know what? We're going to reopen the racetrack. We're going to reopen that slot so they can s- subsidize and pay for, help pay for that racetrack. A thousand jobs, seven hundred indirect direct jobs, 300 indirect jobs could happen tomorrow. Let's get that done. It's a year of the horse. The, how's that sound? Yeah. It's a year of the horse. It, it, they could have festival racing there. They could do whatever they have to, but we've got to do that. That's a thousand jobs we could have right here in Niagara tomorrow. If you take a look at some of the other policies of the other po- parties, uh, you got to create jobs. you got to make it the... And I've, I've listened to some of your questions, but the reality is what's going on today is they're having corporate tax cuts. Corporate tax cuts. Tor- corporate tax, tax Well, none of those corporate tax cuts are tied to job creation or training for young people. I was at a printing company yesterday. uh, Prior to going to my thing, I was talking to the owner, and he's the one that's telling me corporate tax cuts haven't done anything for my business. I would love to be able to hire young people. And under our policy, that's what we're saying. You give small businesses... Credit, tax credits, you hire young people, you, you get their training. It's a way to create jobs. Corporate tax tax doesn't do it, hasn't done it. They've been doing it for, what, eight, nine, ten years now? At both levels of government, it's not working. Uh, let's find a way to get them back in. I'll give you another example, and I think it's important to have examples. Uh, you take a look at Spencer. ARL. It's in Niagara Falls. You know, when people talk about manufacturing. Oh, you know, manufacturing's uh, dying. It's never going to happen. You already raised. They've, they're hiring in General Motors again. Mm-hmm. Spencer was a new manufacturer that opened up in Niagara Falls. And, and, and it was with city council. It was with a lot of people that we sat down and said, okay, how can we help you? And what happened is Spencer started with 11 employees. Today, they're at 200. A manufacturing facility right in Niagara Falls now is at 200 jobs. So there's ways to create jobs in Niagara right here. Uh, so that's uh, one of the big ones for me, jobs, jobs, jobs. Now talk w- to me
0: a little bit more about the racetrack. Do you see the racetrack existing as it used to, or there's been some talk and some articles in the local uh, newspapers about repurposing it? Uh, about coming out with something other than just a racetrack, making an equine facility or showing or what have you. Do you see it existing as it is now, or do you think it should be
4: repurposed? Listen, I I think that's a decision that should be made collectively uh, if I'm I'm elected as an MP. Sit down with the the town of Fort Erie. Sit down with Jim, uh, who is the CEO down there, who's running that. Sit down with the race people that know the business. Well, how about the owner? You have the owner in, too. Well, but we have have to sit down with them and say, okay, how do we make sure that we have a secure racetrack? Not Not for this year, for three years, five years down the road, because horse people have to breed horses. They have to know that they have a secure racetrack down there. So what we have to do is get first get a commitment that it's going to be there for three to five years and then go to the people that know the business the best and say okay what do we need to do to go to business I think the slots coming back in Niagara Falls certainly is going to create more jobs it's going to absolutely bring more money into the racetrack industry so there's a good way to do it with uh, Fort Erie and well, I'm on that uh, because that's actually my third priority is it's not just about the Fort Erie racetrack. What has to happen for the community of Fort Erie to, to survive and to have people want to go and invest in Fort Erie, you have to send a message that it's open for business. And by closing uh, manufacturing facilities, by closing the racetrack, what message is that sending to, to companies that want to, or small business owners that want to come into Fort Erie. So I think it's that important that we have to, and I'm I'm, I'm challenging. Uh, I'd be happy they do it during the uh, by-election. It doesn't bother me. Let's put families. These are real families, real people, real children that need their parents to have good jobs, and we have an opportunity to create a 1,000 tomorrow. Let's get it done. Wayne Gates is my
0: guest. He's representing the NDP in the Niagara Falls Riding, the by-election that's coming up. The writ has been dropped. The candidates mostly are nominated. Uh, Wayne... Touch on number two for me. I think we talked about one and absolutely
4: number two is healthcare uh, with without a doubt in the Niagara region. And I want before uh,
0: before we get loaded here, uh, sick care. <laughs> I didn't bring this up with the other candidates, but it's really sick care. I haven't heard anyone talk, including the Green Party, about prevention of sickness. Is your party talking about? I mean, Tommy Douglas, one of the godfathers of uh, uh, Medicare, if you want to call it, or sick care in Canada. He had two priorities: one, universal access and universal care, but the other one, we. Completely thought, uh, forgot about. That's prevention of illness. What your thoughts on that locally?
4: Well, uh, I'll, I'll. I'll tell you the truth. I haven't, I haven't given that a lot of thought on the prevention because the cuts to healthcare in the Niagara region has been so, so fast and so drastic that we're, we're trying to fight with for what we have. And when mm. you take a look at healthcare here in Niagara, I want to be very clear. I'm a hundred percent behind the Niagara Falls Hospital. I haven't just showed up at the by election. I've been fighting for healthcare for the last six, seven years. When they were closing Douglas Memorial, uh, with the yellow shirts, I was standing shoulder to shoulder with the yellow shirts down there fighting for healthcare for everybody, for every community in Niagara. Uh, when I when I met with the uh, Yellow Shirts and we went to Queen's Park, I went to Queen's Park with them. I met with Sue Matthews. I met with people and said, what are you doing to health care in Niagara? Uh, when you take a look at what happened in Niagara Falls, where people had the c where we had people in the Niagara region dying because of the cuts to the cleaning service and, and the n- other reasons, we raised the issues to say, you know, what are we doing with health care? People should be going to the hospital to get better. That's why you go to the hospital. No, I don't you know anybody. You say you're in favor of
0: the, the hospital, but you're Absolutely. not in f- favor of the way the proposal is to be, uh, to build this with three P. Listen, the way the way the
4: way we should do, uh they have just put twenty six point two uh again during the by election into the planning of it. Let's sit down, let's take a look at all our options around health care and what we can do. I can give you an example in Peterborough, where they built a publicly funded, publicly delivered hospital that cost just over three hundred million dollars. You think that's an option
0: here? i think we can build well, well, up you know pro- public
4: that, funds? We we have to do that with we have to have dialogue. You talked about Tommy Douglas. Publicly funded, public delivered, affordable for everybody. Right. You know, you shouldn't have to have a credit card to get healthcare in this country. Mm-hmm. We don't want to go down that road. So on, on the new hospital, we should have all those debates. And I want to finish my story about Peterborough. Peterborough was a $300 million. They ended up, uh, when you take a look at St. Catharines, because we now have examples in, in the area, St. Catharines, uh, cost a billion dollars. They're paying a private company to run that hospital for $700 million. And they're getting part of the parking. Uh, don't get me started on parking, because I believe, honestly, to God I believe uh, it parking should be free at hospitals you know yeah in most cases people are going to a hospital are going to see a sick one uh, they usually go there may see them in the afternoon go home for a couple hours and come back and they got to pay parking twice in the day uh, some most are seniors uh, some are on fixed income they really can't afford the parking but they're, they're they have to park if they're gonna have a hospital and they got to go to the hospital from Welland. they got to go from poor The worst part they is, is they're
0: contracting there. it out. Oh, the private guys are taking their money out of the province and country, mostly. <laughs> well, you know, so it's, not, it's not like it's going to
4: it's towards go- general coffers. It, it's not going to health care. Right, and, yeah. and I believe that's an issue. We should not be charging for parking uh, on the backs of people that are sick and have to go to that hospital to go see a loved one. We should be going to be able to go see the loved one, not pay for parking, and spend quality time. Because you know what? When you're in the hospital, you've been in the hospital, I've been in the hospital, you look forward to seeing people to come and talk to you in most cases. You want to see somebody come and talk to you and, and brighten up your day uh, while you're sick. So I, I believe we shouldn't have uh, the parking. So we got lots of issues here in Niagara. Uh, we've got jobs, and I, I believe we have to find a way to find jobs for young people, for our kids and our grandkids. And I believe we can do that with with taking a look at dark. Targeted tax cuts, business owners are telling me that 's the way to go. You take a look at uh, and I got one other issue that I, I certainly want to get on because it's it all runs together mm. jobs you get jobs you end up with publicly funded health care publicly funded schools. Well we had an issue in Niagara and Lake uh, with uh, Parliament oak School uh, that they 're looking at closing yet last week uh, they last week maybe a week maybe ten days ago, they mentioned that they 're going to spend four million dollars into training teachers to teach uh Get extra training in math. Well, when you take a look at Parlin Oak Community School, the heart of the community, just like healthcare is the heart of the community in in the old town, the the children there uh in grade threes and grade six are above the provincial average. What happens there? They're already above the provincial average. I believe there's some reasons for that. Right? It's, a, it's more of a community school. The parents are more involved with the school. It's a heartbeat of the community. The other one I wanted, and I'm not going to have time. I can tell the music's playing. <laughs> we have to support our local farmers. I encourage everybody to go out there and buy local. Wayne Gates is my guest. Thank you to all
0: the candidates. Right now we're going to your Ice Dogs. I think they're in North Bay. It's probably about as cold as it is here. I am your Sunday scrub. The text messages was down all day today. It's just back up, so I apologize for that and not taking your calls. As the by-election gets deeper, I promise to have these guys in. I hemp you. I'm out.